Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, welcome back. This will be 2 Samuel chapter 7. And it came to pass when king, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me a house of cedar? David's motivation for wanting to build a permanent house for the Lord, the tabernacle built by Moses in the wilderness, was then about 300 years old was proper and good, but the Lord through Nathan denied him permission to do so. No specific reason was given here, only a blessing on David's house in the account of Chronicles. However, David told Solomon that it was revealed to him that he had seen too much war and bloodshed to build the house of the Lord. As might That was out of the Institute Manual. As might have been expected, Nathan responded by a full approval of the king's unspoken purpose, which seemed so accordant with the glory of God, but Nathan had spoken, as ancient writers note, from his own, though pious, impulse, and not by direction of the Lord. Oftentimes our thoughts, although springing from motives of real religion, are not God's thoughts, and the lesson here conveyed is most important of not taking our own impressions, however earnestly and piously derived as necessarily in accordance with the will of God, but testing them by his revealed word, in short, of making our test, in each case, not subjective feeling, but objective revelation. That was by Edersheim. That's good work, good counsel for all of us, not to think that always our thoughts are God's thoughts, but uh, we need to be careful with that and know that we actually hear him. Verse 8, Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, or sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are on the, that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more, neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more, as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt keep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever." I will be his father, and he shall be thy shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. 
This verse is an example of a dualistic prophecy, that is, a prophecy with a double meaning. It promised that David's lineage would continue on the throne, and unlike Saul's lineage, would not be overthrown after his death, but it is clearly a messianic prophecy as well. Jesus the Messiah was called David, he would hold the key of David, and he would sit upon the throne of David. Clearly, only one person can sit upon the throne of David, that is, rule over the house of Israel forever and ever, and that one is Christ. He came into mortality as a descendant of David and as an heir to his throne, both physically and spiritually. Elder Talmadge explained the significance of the genealogies of Jesus given by Matthew and Luke as establishing Jesus' right to the throne. At the time of, of the Savior's birth, Israel was ruled by alien monarchs. The rights of the royal Davidic family were unrecognized, and the ruler of the Jews was an appointee of Rome. Had Judah been a free and independent nation ruled by her rightful sovereign, Joseph the carpenter, or the craftsman, would have been her crowned king, and his lawful successor to the throne would have been Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Thus, much for the present, as for the future, it was to be always in the divine arrangement, for God must build build us a house before we can build one to him. It was not that David was first to rear a house for God, but that God would rear one for David. Only afterwards, when all Israel's wanderings and unrest were past, and he had established the house of his servant, would the son of that servant no longer a man of war, but a man of peace, Solomon, build the house of peace. There was inward and even outward congruity in this, a kingdom which was peace, a kingdom or a king, the type of the prince of peace, and a temple, the abode of peace. This, then, was the main point, a promise alike to David, to Israel, and and in regard to the temple, that God would build David a house and make his kingdom not only lasting, but everlasting in all the fullness of meaning, set out in Psalm 72. What followed will be best given in the words of Holy Scripture itself. I shall be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son, whom, if he transgress, I will correct with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I made it depart from Saul, whom I put away from before thee, and unfailing, sure, thy house and thy kingdom forever before thee, and thy throne shall be established forever. That this promise included Solomon is as plain as that it was not confined to him. No unprejudiced reader could so limit it. Certainly no sound Jewish interpreter would have done so, for on this promise, the hope of a a messianic kingdom in the line of David and the title of the Messiah as the son of David were based. It was not only the angel who pointed to the fulfillment of this promise and the annunciation to the virgin, but no one who believed in a Messiah would have thought of questioning his application. All the predictions of the prophets may, may be said to rest upon it. While therefore it did not exclude Solomon and his successors, and while some of its terms are only applicable to them, the fulfillment of this promise was in Christ. In this view, we are not hampered but helped by the clause which speaks of human chastisements as eventual on sins and the successors of David, for we regard the whole history from David to Christ as one and as closely connected. And this prophecy refers neither only to Solomon nor only to Christ, nor has it a twofold application, but it is a covenant promise which, extending along the whole line, culminates in the Son of David and in all its fullness applies only to him. These three things did God join in it, of which one necessarily implies the other, alike in the promise and in the fulfillment of a unique relationship, a unique kingdom, and a unique fellowship and service resulting from both. The unique relationship was that of father and son, which in all its fullness only came true in Christ. The unique kingdom was that of the Christ, which would have no end. 
and the unique sequence of it was that was that brought about through the temple of his holy body, which will appear in its full proportions when the new Jerusalem come down out of heaven. That was by Edersheim. He sure is insightful, isn't he? Verse 17, According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And is this the manner of man, O Lord God? And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. For my, for thy word's sake, and according to thine own heart, hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant know, know them. Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make him a name, and to do for you great things and terrible for thy land before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever, and thou, Lord, art become their God. And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house, establish it forever, and do as thou hast said. And let thy name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, has revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee a house. Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord God, thou art the God, and thy words be true, and thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it, and with thy blessing let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. And that's the end of chapter 7, and we'll see you next time. Bye.